Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to show your support for the podcast, you can do so by visiting my website where you can click on the donation button to make a once-off contribution towards the podcast. Or you can go to my Patreon page where you can gain early access to the episodes every Friday um, by signing up to Tier 2. So thank you to everyone who supported me this week. I really appreciate it. This week's podcast is brought to you by Mama's Hospital Bag, which is an Irish company providing luxury hospital bag bundles and gift boxes to new and expectant mothers around the world. It was created by mothers for mothers. Founded by school friends and mothers, Grace Quinn and Sarah Maloney, Mama's Hospital Bag began as a conversation on a weekend in France in 2018 and has been evolving ever since. It emerged on the simple premise to create a hospital bag experience, which is equally emotional and exciting as it is indulgent and hassle-free. As mothers, they experience the excitement of getting ready to welcome a new baby and equally how little time you may have to prepare juggling work, life and family in the lead up. Having a pre-prepared hospital bag full of luxury brands is something they would have loved as an indulgent treat while also easing up on the to-do list. Mama's Hospital Bag is on a mission to not only provide expectant mothers with everything they need for their hospital stay, in addition to memorable gift bundles, but they also want to bring elegant style and comfort to the hospital experience. They feel strongly that while the hospital may not be the most relaxing of places, it is time you deserve to feel the best you can without compromising on quality and style. Each item is carefully selected to balance comfort and functionality with quality and style for both mother and baby. Since launching, the company has gone from strength to strength, expanding from purely online to being stocked in luxury department stores and has sales from across the world. Due to popular demand, the range has expanded to include gift boxes in addition to pre-packed hospital bags, all from luxury brands. All products come beautifully packaged in their signature hat box, which is designed to be kept as a keepsake for years to come. So if you want to treat yourself or a mum-to-be to an unforgettable gift and unboxing experience, head to www.mamashospitalbag.com and enjoy 10% off the entire range with the discount code MAMA10 valid until August 2nd. 
This week's episode is a pre and post baby interview. So I spoke to Sinead when she was 39 weeks pregnant. We spoke about conception, how she felt during her pregnancy and also what lay ahead. So I'll leave that in the episode. Um, she did have a planned C-section. So she speaks to us about that. She had a really positive experience and she also speaks about life as a first time mum during a pandemic, which I think is really important. So enjoy this week's episode and I will chat to you next week. Sinead, you are very welcome to the podcast. Would you like to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your family? Yeah, thanks so much, Cora. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, my name is Sinead and I'm married to my husband, Brian. Um, we got married in 2019 in September. Uh, we've been together almost nine years and uh, I'm currently 39 weeks pregnant on our with our first baby. Lovely. Um, so that's kind of us at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to tell me um, about your pregnancy? So was your pregnancy planned? Yeah. So uh, we got married, like I said, September 2019, and we pretty much started trying straight away. Um, we uh, tried for eight months altogether. Um, and I definitely beat myself up about those months that went by and I realized it's a short period of time compared with a lot of women who have you know extremely long and difficult journeys um but I felt massive pressure just on myself from you know speculation that I thought family expected it I thought friends expected it and it kind of just it, it did definitely I think I did myself a disservice by actually putting that pressure on myself um and coincidentally, I don't think it's coincidence, but lockdown happened and a month later we conceived. So okay. I don't yeah. think I, I heard so many stories and I've heard, you know, I think everyone knows Rosanna Davidson's story and it's absolutely amazing. But um, I, I think there's a lot to be said for the lifestyles that we lead and, and the pressure we put on ourselves. And I definitely think that just taking the pressure off and the foot off the pedal helped us. Completely agree. Um, yeah. Although it was, yeah. It was relatively short. Like I said, I I, I can't compare to, to some of the journeys people have. It's it's devastating. But um, I was very wrapped up in it myself. And I, I couldn't understand when it happens instantly for some people and why it didn't happen like that for us. And did you start um, investigating things or had you just left well enough alone? And what um, was your plan? I spoke to my GP um, and I kind of came to her like because we we weren't being exactly we weren't not not trying before we got married so we were kind of thrown caution to the wind a little bit um and uh you know if it happened it happened and we'd be over the moon um but I spoke to my GP after I think it was in January maybe um so with January 2020 and just said you know should I be worried is there anything you can check and she did blood tests and everything looked fine um I did have quite a regular period. So okay. they went from 35 days, 47 days, 55 days. So I knew that something was a little bit off. Um, I never got diagnosed with anything. Possible case of very mild PCOS was kind of the extent of, of where I got to. Um, but that was it really. So um, I suppose we're just, we were over the moon when it happened, like ecstatic Um but again, you don't count all your chickens until they hatch. And we were very cautious. We just kept it to ourselves for the for the 12 weeks. Um, so then I think around week eight, I had um, a very, very small bleed. So um, it was, I don't know if I'd even call it a bleed, like maybe just a small bit of spotting. So I rang the hospital 
and with the coom and um they said keep an eye on it it's quite common and um, this is over a weekend of course it was I think it was a June bank holiday weekend so um they uh I rang the emergency department they said just keep an eye and I had a doctor appointment the following week okay so I went to my GP and I mentioned it to her and she said look it's probably nothing but I just I'd like you to get checked so she actually sent me for an early pregnancy scan then um so I went into the EPU and they were really good they were you know considering all the restrictions and stuff at the time as well they were really reassuring and found the heartbeat as soon as they could and and everything looked perfect they couldn't find a source of bleed so that was just the biggest relief ever um and it was lovely to be able to come home and tell my husband, you know, we have a heartbeat as well. So that yeah. was really nice. Um, How did you feel in yourself? Did you feel any, any symptoms? Yeah. So when, I, when we first found out, we found out quite early. So I think it was around four weeks um, when we did the test. And then I was just like, what do we do next? Like, where do we go from here? And, you know, wants to get the ball rolling. And I was like, but I don't feel pregnant. And what should I feel and you know Google is your best friend your worst enemy at the same time yeah (laughs) um so I was looking up everything and um the funny thing was actually so I found out on a Monday I did a test uh sorry to backtrack nope um but um Brian had said to me it was like we were having like really nice weather it was the beginning of May having like gorgeous weather so for a lovely walk down the canal we live in Lisa so we've kind of nice walks nearby and we walked uh, down the canal and he was like to me have you should you get your period or something soon and I was like well you know me like I'm a bit up and down blah 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 and I just I was kind of at the stage where I was like I'm not getting my hopes up again and he so that was the Saturday and then I was like look if I don't have it by next Wednesday I'll, I'll test and he was like all right okay and then thought nothing of it and then I just couldn't I, I was upstairs working we were work, both working from home and I couldn't wait and I knew I had a test so I just did it and I was like I won't say anything because I know it's gonna be negative and it was positive <laughs> and I just went downstairs and I was like so I was crying and he was like oh god she's got her period you know like he yeah. thought I was crying because it was bad news and I just handed him the test and yeah he was like what so yeah it was really nice <laughs> but for him to um, even ask you when you arrived for that walk it was obviously really like in the forefront of his mind as well yeah 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 definitely like I think the two of us got very very like wrapped up in it but he was he's been brilliant the whole way through he's like he's very practical and pragmatic and he's just like look this will happen or it won't happen and we'll deal with it whatever way you know whatever our kind of journey needs to be and we'll do what we have to do so it was just like it was like going into it together do you know what I mean like you felt like part of a team and I felt really reassured because I didn't feel like oh this is all on me or you know it was it was both of us so that was really nice um so that was kind of how we found out and then um so yeah then sorry I had the the eight-week checkup um or the scan and everything was perfect and then there was nothing really then until the 12 week um and again so I've been in the coom and they've kind of throughout COVID been consistently the strictest hospital I think uh, of the Dublin hospital sorry I know there's a couple down the country I don't think I actually think Mullingar are not allowing uh, partners to birth at the moment and you know I I can imagine how difficult that would be um 
but basically yeah so he didn't come in for that but we he sat outside I got the scan and we got the you know everything looks good um and then my family live really close uh, to the hospital so we called into them and it was really random I'd say they were like why are they calling in on a Thursday morning and um yeah we we told them and it's the first child the first grandchild on my parents side so oh, they were on the moon yeah and then um we went and we told Brian's family and yeah everyone was delighted so it's just a really it's it's nice day and it was actually when things that kind of eased a little bit restriction wise so okay. you know we could actually enjoy that and, and tell our friends and family so that was really really special um and then uh everything like sorry you asked about symptoms so I did have kind of morning sickness um nausea more than morning sickness really uh and it, it hit me like a ton of bricks like my I'm not used to being sick I'm I'm not a person who does well with being sick so I've I felt very sorry for myself um but I didn't I didn't throw up I just had all day like the only way I felt any which way good was lying on my left side like closing my eyes just kind of doing nothing um which working from home was a blessing in disguise because I got my afternoon nap in. It's so necessary as well. Like you just have to answer that call. <laughs> oh my God. I was just like, I don't know how people do this in normal times or real life. Cause this is, and then with another kid, I was like, Oh my God, make the most of this now. <laughs> so, um, so that was kind of lasted maybe up until 14 weeks and my appetite suffered a good bit. I just, I couldn't think about food. I couldn't look at food. I just wanted plain, plain, plain. So um, I lived on a lot of porridge and toast and <laughs> that was kind of it. But then it, it came like my appetite returned then probably after 14 weeks. I was very cautious though. I felt myself being really careful with what I ate, but that was just because I didn't want to upset my stomach again. It was more like scarred from the last couple of weeks. Um, but now there's no stopping me. So that didn't last long. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so then there was kind of nothing up until like the doctor appointments. I, Sorry, I chose to go public um, with the coup. So I uh, wanted to do the domino scheme, but they don't cover leap slip. So unfortunately, they enrolled me in the community midwives, which was perfect. I, you know, I'd hoped obviously for kind of a... Um, easy pregnancy and being able to share the care between my GP and the midwives was what I wanted um for as long as possible um sorry excuse me and um then I think I was about so it took me ages to show and I'm I'm, a, I'm tall so I didn't think anything of it um but my my midwife mentioned it at one of my scans uh, at one of my appointments she you know measured the fundal height and stuff like that and she kind of wasn't too happy with that so she sent me in to the coom to get scanned um and I had just had my 20 week scan so they actually sent me home <laughs> um, saying that it was too soon between the scans that they wouldn't be able to get an accurate measurement of you know is the baby the right size because I had recently had a scan um, the anomaly scan was perfect everything was fine it's just okay. that the, the baby was in a bit of a difficult position um so it was kind of tricky for her to get measurements she had me uh drinking water squatting rolling to the side so <laughs> I was doing kind of acrobats trying to get all these measurements so um and the baby's constantly been in difficult positions to get what they want but they've got they've got as good as um so when I went back to the coom then just to check on the growth, they 
noticed that the head was measuring a little bit small and the abdomen was measuring a little bit small. Um, nice. So I was sent then to, that was 27 weeks. So I was sent to a, a consultant there called Ashing Martin. She was brilliant. She was just so reassuring and so good. Um, and she specializes, one of her specialities is fetal growth. Um, and she kind of looked at me and she was like, well, you have a small head. So your baby's probably going to have a small head. And I was like, okay. So she was like, everything's fine. She wasn't worried. She noticed like she tracked the growth from the last scan. And I basically saw her for um, every three weeks then for three three times uh, with three week gap. And she just kept an eye and she was like, I'm not worried. I'm just keeping an eye. That's all I'm doing. So I saw her last time there at 37 weeks and she was really happy with everything. And yeah, so it, like, I felt reassured seeing her, but I definitely had more scans than anyone else I knew. And, um, you know, you kind of can't help but think, what if, what if something's wrong? But um, I, I feel like the care I got in the coom and the the attention to detail that they gave was amazing. And I they have this information, like my mom kept saying, they're going to get this information. If something's slightly off, they have to make sure that everything's okay with you and with the baby. So, oh yeah uh, you know when when it's put like that it's like of course I, I shouldn't be giving it about getting extra attention <laughs> um so that's kind of like I suppose that was 37 weeks and then um I should mention as well since 24 weeks my baby's been breech um okay. so and the bum is wedged down I'm told so right down um and with it being a smaller baby so the last scan I had at 37 weeks it was not tiny but measuring about 514 so it was just slightly smaller and obviously with the the head and the abdomen concerns that they had um they did offer me an ECV so they offered to turn the baby um but they offered it uh at 37 weeks and they asked me to get it done that day and you know my husband wasn't there I didn't have time to talk to him. I was given like an hour to basically say, okay, come back and and kind of, and that just put me off. And I also asked to speak to the consultant who was going to do the ECV or, you know, the consultant that I was under for um, my general care. And he was busy, which I appreciate. That's, you know, the nature of the job. Um, But I just felt I wanted more information and I wanted to understand what it was and to talk to someone and see, was I really a suitable candidate or, you know, had they taken into account the size of my baby? Had they taken into account that, you know, my, my amniotic fluid levels and first time pregnancy and, and all those kind of things and how successful it might be. And I just, I just got a gut feeling and it just wasn't, that wasn't the day for me. I was like, that's, not going to happen today and I spoke to to Brian and we spoke to I spoke to my mom I actually called into her and um I was just like I feel like it's too rushed I feel like I'm being kind of told now or never and I didn't like that feeling so I just said I'm just going to go home and think about it and then decide what to do and got into all sorts of yoga positions to try and get the baby to move um and then we we thought about it over the next week um, before I went back. And I just personally, I just I, I knew I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And I knew once if I did do it, I would just constantly be thinking how much is the baby moving, what's going on. And I, I would be a bag of nerves up until every appointment then. So I just said that no. And I 
I left it at that and I just hoped that the baby would turn naturally. So do you want to just talk us through, um, it's when they physically maneuver the baby back around, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so the way um, it was explained to me and I did my own research as well, um, you would get an injection into your uterus to relax the muscles and um, to make it more easy for them to basically manually manipulate the baby. So um, push from the outside, push the baby's bum up um, to make more room f- to allow it to kind of turn around. So it's hopefully goes into a head down position. Um, usually I think it has about a 50% success rate, um, but there is a risk of the baby turning back. Um, so if they're not happy with being head down, they might just flip back around. Um, and I think the success rate is slightly lower on first pregnancies because they okay. don't have a, as much room. Um, you know, the, the uterus muscles aren't used to the stretching, uh, whereas subsequent pregnancies, you know, they've done it before. So they they're kind of are a bit more um, stretchy, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, so I just with, with the fact that the baby was small, it was my first pregnancy and I did have like not low amniotic fluid, but it was on the lower side of average. I just thought those three things together made me think, no, it's not for me. Um, and that was fine. They didn't really challenge me on that at all. When I went back, I said, look, I really did think about it. I just wasn't happy to do it. Um, and they were like, that's completely your decision. And the other two options then for a breech baby were uh, vaginal breech birth um which has obviously its own risks and and complications did they give you that option they did yeah in the first in the conversation they actually said so you have two options well actually you have three so you could tell that it's not one that they would really go for um Mm. and then the other option the third option being a c-section so um i like i've done hypnobirthing (laughs) i've um you know, got a TENS machine packed. I have uh, all the things that I had for uh, a vaginal birth. And I, I, I'd lie if I'd said I, I was, wasn't disappointed that I'm not going to get that because I am scheduled now for a C-section tomorrow. <laughs> so, um, and that that took me, I, I'm kind of, I suppose I'm glad that this was brought up at 37 weeks and I got to go through those options myself and I had a bit of time because I I was kind of I did feel a bit cheated and I also felt that I was cheating as well so I've had a little bit of time to come to terms with it um but I I think that's helped um I wouldn't like to be in a situation where I have to have an emergency section I don't think anyone really (laughs) wants to do that especially after going through um labor but yeah I do feel like I'm never gonna well not never but on this pregnancy I'm not going to know what a contraction feels like I'm not going to experience any of that so that that to me was a bit disappointing um so yeah I I guess it's kind of taken me a couple of weeks to get my head around it but um the main thing is that hopefully this is the safest way for the baby to arrive into the world and we have a healthy baby and that I'm healthy and, and looked after as well. So that's the main thing. And have they spoken to you? I'm so excited. <laughs> have they spoken to you about um, what's going to happen tomorrow? So what time yeah. are you going to the hospital? <laughs> so you're the only other person that knows this, Cora, now. We've kept it to oh, ourselves. Girl. <laughs> so um, 
So tomorrow morning we're going in at we have to be there at eight o'clock. So in the morning. Um, so I have uh, Brian has the car packed with a blanket, his laptop. He's ready to wait it out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm going in uh, just with, I suppose, what would have been a normal labor bag, just with a couple of bits um, to have with me and uh, fasting tonight. So after dinner, uh, nothing to eat going in the morning. I'll be checked in and then I think I'll be um, given compression socks and, you know, the things to kind of prevent blood clots and stuff like that. And then they obviously have a schedule. I don't know where I am on that schedule at the moment, um, but I know that they want you there to prep you. And then basically I'll, I'll get the nod and I'll be told to have my husband come up mm-hmm. and he'll come up. I'll be in theatre. <laughs> And um, whenever I get, so I'll be getting a spinal block. Um, I will be, yeah, I'll get a spinal block. So I actually had a call with the, they, they've moved it all online and they've done it pretty well. They they have the anaesthetist call you and do like a an interview about your, um, like your suitability for whichever anesthesia they're going to do. Um, so we went through all that and she was really helpful and answered loads of questions and um kind of put my mind at ease because to be honest like something going into my spine just freaks me out you know if I had had a vaginal birth I would have tried to say delay the epidural or like you know try to forgo it as much as possible but now I don't have a choice um and she was really good though so she was like look this we do this every day and we'll be there the whole time if there's anything that feels off just let us know so that was really helpful um and then my husband will be brought in and the curtain will go up. Oh my God. And <laughs> the baby will come out. So, so cool. I actually watched a, a video on Instagram there the other day and it was a breach cesarean. So I, I suppose like it's it's obviously fairly obvious now, but like the baby comes out breach, obviously, if it's cesarean because the incision's so low. And I showed I showed my husband, and I was like, look at this, it's mad. Like and he bomb. was like, I don't think you should watch this. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, no, because like that's I want to know what's gonna happen. I don't necessarily want to see it myself, I don't think, like happening to me, but um I'm glad that I understand how they do it. Like, you know, I, I won't be wondering, you know, obviously they're being careful and maneuvering stuff, so I'll understand that it's gonna take a little bit of time. Um I'm concerned about the recovery, uh, but I'm lucky as well that, um, you know, COVID, (laughs) lucky in the sense that my husband's at home. um, So if I need help that, you know, he's not far away, I won't be on my own at all in the house. Um, Obviously, unlucky in the sense that everyone else will be miles away for a long time. But, um, you know, we've we've had time to to come to terms with that as well. And I in a one way I'm looking forward to being in our own little bubble for a little while um and I think there's a lot of good that can come from that but I I understand that it can be really isolating as well so I'm hoping it doesn't last too long um but in preparation then for for the c-section so when I found out and I, I got the date and had this all in mind I spoke to the infant infant feeding support in the coom so I uh hope to breastfeed mm-hmm. um and they were amazing like spoke to a woman there and she was just full of information about everything um and I explained that I was having a c-section and she sent me out like well sorry I left in the hospital a a kit to basically express or 
uh, antenatally expressed colostrum ahead of the surgery. So I've been doing that for the last couple of days just to have now I've gotten, I'm going to say five mils in four days, um, but it's better than nothing. Exactly. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah. And it's, it's a little bit of something that, you know, God forbid if we had to be separated or, you know, hopefully I'll be able to let my husband feed the baby a little bit before he has to leave the hospital. So those kind of things that make all the difference. And just to have that little tiny little buffer um, and also know that I can do that yeah. as well so that I'm comfortable enough and like not going to be too overwhelmed if I had to, you know, antenatal, uh, sorry, postnatally express um, for any reason that, you know, I, I kind of am a little bit more familiar with it. So that was really good. Um, you're so prepared. You're really prepared. It's great. Yeah, I've been doing the like kind of yoga and Pilates, like the um, the antenatal stuff. And that's really like helping me relax as well. And kind of just like get like get into the mind frame that this is going to happen and this is how it's going to happen. But, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that we're having a baby you know it's just we're still giving birth like it's still still, yeah Yeah. and from what I've yeah just from the interviews I've done people planned c-sections are just they can be so beautiful yeah yeah and that's another thing I actually asked in the hospital and I, I I didn't know this but like I suppose when I did hypnobirthing it was just an online course um but I kind of I got the impression and I think it was maybe like this a couple of years ago, maybe when hypnobirthing wasn't as popular. Um, I got the impression that I would have like a bit of a barrier in the hospital. They would be, you know, no, we don't do that or we don't do this. And I really wanted like all the benefits of delayed cord clamping. It was like, I really want that if we can have that at all. And they were like, oh, absolutely. Like we do that as standard. And I was like, oh, it's such a relief then like to know that. And um, it was like skin to skin. They were like, 100% that baby won't be like taken away from you so I was like oh that's amazing um and I actually went to uh, or joined a quid you uh breastfeeding support oh, yeah. group um I think a couple of weeks ago whenever I knew that I would be uh probably having this action um and there was a, about four or five cancers on the session so I asked about like a c-section and how I could expect it to maybe impact the breastfeeding journey and is there anything I could do so they obviously advised to try and antenatally express if I could um and one of them had actually had two emergency sections and she was like but the hospital she was like I was in emergency both times but the hospital were amazing and I was never separated from my baby I had my baby as soon as they did initial checks I had my baby straight away so that was just such like a good thing to hear that you know unless something is wrong they're not going to have you separated so I was just kind of concerned about that as well but I'm I'm happy to hear that most circumstances they'll have you together for as long as possible so excited I'm nervous and I suppose this like not so much now but it hit me I think it was just before Christmas and just this overwhelming feeling I said it to one of my friends and she was like that's normal but I'd, I'd never heard anyone really say it and I was like does anyone get the feeling like your your life's going to change? Like, I, I know that I, I obviously such a focus on labor and such a focus on birth. And that's kind yeah. of what you're reading and researching. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's one day. And I was like, oh, my God, I have a human to look after. And <laughs> is anyone going to check on me about this? Like, so I just had this whole like moment. I was like, nothing's ever going to be the same. And 
I kind of like you know had an emotional moment and I, I started crying or whatever my husband was like what's wrong and I said it to him and I was like do you think I'll be good enough and he was like absolutely and he was, I was like so worried about being a parent and he was like you'll be amazing so yeah I I'm really excited and yeah I, I can't wait I just think I just can't believe it's here like I can't I can't <laughs> comprehend <laughs> Like, like we went, you're gonna have a baby in your arms tomorrow like. yeah we went we went for a walk today and I was like this is the last time we can get out of the house now without a, a big deal <laughs> so um yeah it's just it's madness but I I do feel like he's missed out big time on you know any of this experience because of COVID mm. so the first time he'll start a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A foot in the hospital is tomorrow. Um, and that's like, that's crap. And like, yeah. I, I understand and there's, there's a way bigger picture and things are getting crazy at the moment. But um, it kind of doesn't take away from the fact that it is crap. And it's <laughs> it's just, you know, um, and I think the hard thing, well, I keep thinking about the, the hardest thing tomorrow will be after he's told to go home because that's it then until he picks us up. So there's no visits or anything. Um, so I feel like that's tough. But what I did this evening, or actually I'll get it off him in the morning, uh, I have him the t-shirt he sleeps in for the last couple of nights I'm going to take that with me 
and uh, I'm gonna like have that close to the baby and kind of wrap the baby in that and stuff and make sure that they're they're, they're familiar with his scent and stuff so yeah I just thought that was a nice thing to do um but yeah I uh I can't quite now now it feels real because like you're the first outside person from the two of us that we were told about this so uh yeah yeah it's pretty it's brilliant it's going to be amazing and just take it easy just like when you come home like again what I've heard is the midwives are just they are they're already incredible but they've they're just really so attentive and they're really aware obviously of what's going on so you're going to be really well looked after yeah no and I've yeah and I I don't I have full faith in all the staff there I think that they are beyond compassionate considering the circumstances and um how, how difficult it is for them as well because um I know like they're they're so understaffed like just with with the whole situation I'd say um people are being deployed close contacts all that kind of stuff um I actually had to have a covid swab today so they're, they're swabbing people I think if you have a planned uh c-section or induction um and you know when you're going in obviously just to be cautious um they're swabbing you so I got my results I'm negative thank god but it's uh it's quite comforting to know that you know if you're on a ward with other women that most of them hopefully will have a negative result um or be pending a negative result um because that was something I was concerned about as well just you know being in a room with other people that possibly could be asymptomatic um but yeah I, I and I'm happy that we'll hopefully get home as soon as it's safe uh for us to to do that and you know kind of get into some sort of a routine here not routine I don't I don't think we'll be getting to any routine but just get into a little kind of bubble yeah and enjoy it and yeah just do nothing just take your top off put your baby on your on your chest and stay in bed (laughs) or sit in the couch no that's yeah yeah that's that's pretty much uh the blinds will be down (laughs) that'll be it for uh at least the first two weeks I think um but yeah, like we're over the moon and just can't believe this. We're going to have a human tomorrow. <laughs> I know. Do you know what you're having? No, no. sorry, we don't. Oh, no. cool. So we're convinced it's a girl. And like, I couldn't tell you why. Doesn't There's no rhyme or reason to it. Just have a feeling. And yeah, I think we've convinced everyone around us that we're having a girl. <laughs> and he, Brian was like, well, we have to be prepared for a boy. So we have, we have both names, a couple of different names um and I suppose we'll we'll see tomorrow (laughs) so cool thank you so much for sharing I'm so excited I'm probably not gonna sleep tonight now (laughs) (laughs) me and you both (laughs) great um but yeah no I'm I'm delighted to be a part of your podcast I think it's unbelievable what you're doing I think it's so important and it's helped me beyond belief like through this pregnancy it's just put my mind at ease so it's just been amazing so well done I know that you're up the walls with uh, kids and this as well so serious fair play for putting the time and effort in I know I love it do let me know in a couple of days will you I will definitely numbers on that so I'll pop you uh, a while great well, go to bed <laughs> try get some sleep have yeah. a rest and put it in your hypnobirthing music it's actually I found hypnobirthing really useful on the other side so oh yeah after the baby idea. it like after even now I find it really useful just to you know read through the mad times and kind of I, I find it really yeah. useful switch off for a minute yeah yeah but that's a really good idea yeah I'm sure I'll need all the relaxation I can get <laughs> um but thanks so much so I, I will inform you 
of everything in a couple of days time <laughs> yeah I'm so excited best of luck I'll be thinking of you tomorrow thanks so much I'll chat to you soon I was so excited going to bed that evening thinking about how excited Sinead and Brian must have been and also I was so honoured to be part of that. Uh, I had no idea that Sinead was going in to deliver her baby the the following day. So um, in this next part of the episode we chat about the C-section that brought a little baby into the world and her recovery and also life as a first time mother um, during a pandemic. So enjoy. Yeah, so like obviously I spoke to you the night before I went in for my C-section. Um so yeah, it was obviously planned um because she was breached and hadn't budged. Um and I was oh yeah, I I don't think I thought about it too much and I wasn't that nervous going in, but it was like you know that kind of like uh, not like going on holidays feeling, but like you know something's gonna happen and it's early in the morning and you're kind of it's just the two of you getting up and it was just really strange. But um, and I made sure we got a picture before we went into theatre and everything of the two of us. Like this is the last picture of the two of us. Um, so yeah, well, I went in um early in the morning, maybe eight o'clock. I think we we left here around half seven, and um, I got checked in in the assessment unit and brought straight up to a ward. Um, and I was told I'd be back there. Um, and they were they were checking a lady out next to me. And um, they were like, oh, she's she's a good bed. So we'll try to get you that bed. And even as drugged up as I was coming out of surgery, I was like, make sure I get the good bed. <laughs> um, and then I was kind of just waiting there. And they told me I was second to be seen um, for surgery and um, that they would call me. So I think um, my husband was waiting in the car park <laughs> um, and has a reputation of a very small bladder so he was very anxious about not being able to go to the bathroom um so he was actually like a previous guest only mentioned that recently and it never even dawned on me up until then there because when you walk into the coom there is a, a toilet right there at the entrance but it was out of service and had been for weeks and they wouldn't let anyone obviously use it so he was running up the road to a garage to go to the bathroom and back and he was ringing me saying, do you think it's now? And I was like, I'll just ask. And he was like, because if it's not, I'm going to go. But if it is, I'll wait. And it was this kind of thing. So we were lucky enough that, you know, he was he was grand um, and he got up in plenty of time. So they came um, they did like kind of give me an idea um, of what time. And I think it was maybe 12 o'clock he came in um, and we I met him up on the theatre floor and we were um told now I kind of gone through with myself um you know what the surgery entailed and what would happen um with uh the previous doctor uh, appointment I had and uh, a midwife and I think it was a junior midwife uh, sat with us in like a the kind of waiting room area before theater so I was kind of gowned up and he was getting gowned up and um they went through absolutely everything I have to say like I felt really really reassured and informed about what was kind of going to happen and they were like there's going to be loads of people in the room no need to be worried this is all normal and um, I'm glad that they went through that because when I got in they obviously do this every day and I'd say it's like a conveyor belt (laughs) but um, they were like hi I'm John and I'm going to be doing this and hi I'm Sean and I'm going to be doing this and I was like whoa what's going on so it was a bit overwhelming um, to see that many people in there um, and I had seen the consultant before, so I knew him and I kind of, we were joking with him. I'd watched a, a video of a breach cesarean delivery and he was like, oh my God, where did you find that? 
And did you find that helped? Yeah, I, I didn't. I wanted to, to understand like how the baby would be born, but I didn't necessarily want to see my own like insides. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know you wouldn't see insides, but I just didn't want to like see myself cut open basically I like I know like a natural birth is what I obviously wanted that didn't work out and you know I definitely would have been more of an active participant I think had I it have gone that way for me but I just I don't think I wanted to see an incision or anything like that so I was happy and he was like well we can lower the curtain and I was like no no I I, I understand what's going to happen but it was just funny that a breach cesarean is still a breach birth so they still come out bum first and I didn't really think about it before so I was kind of glad I watched it and understood it a bit more. Um, so yeah, I was um, numbed, obviously, with uh, the spinal block. And um, they were like really good about telling me what, what they were giving me, when they were giving it to me, how, like what, what effects it would happen. I got the, I think it was morphine or whatever. And I, I did get that itchiness that the, they talk about. It was horrible. And they explained why and what, what they'd give me to kind of counteract that. So yeah, everyone was really like, I don't know supportive is maybe not the right word but just I felt like they were all there for me you know like that the like and I, I did feel that their attention was obviously you'd want full attention on you when they're putting you open but I did I felt really good about it and um it was quite a light-hearted kind of it was a happy occasion like my husband was brought in as soon as I was kind of you know lying down and uh we were all like oh what do we think we're having and you know what's the names what are you guys thinking and um our um anesthetist was actually called um was, I'm not going to say the name because if this I want to use this name if it comes back but our anesthetist has this lovely name and he's I said that's actually our boy's name and uh he was I was like so don't think it's after you it's just you're a coincidence but um she was obviously a girl um so yeah she I'd say so I went I was in theater lying down she was definitely out within 20 minutes um and she came out extremely breached the feet were right beside the ears um, oh, wow. so she was very very breached and I, I heard the consultant say as he was obviously trying to to get her that um he was like oh it's too late to turn now so I think she may have been reeling away um but yeah she uh she came out absolutely screaming which was lovely to hear it's <laughs> delightful sound so um yeah she was uh a little bit swollen and puffy but she's gorgeous big shock of dark hair um and she yeah they they, they told me they take her off straight away obviously they showed showed her, her to us and Brian went over and had a look at her and um yeah everything was perfect and uh she was 614 so I, I actually guessed the weight on the button before they took her out um and uh yeah she was she was perfect and they just kind of did all their little checks and brought her straight over to me and put her straight on my chest and we had a cuddle yeah lovely so yeah it was lovely Uh, the only thing was I forgot to take my mask off and I should have just said it to someone but I just wasn't really thinking so it was kind of down here at my chin and I couldn't see her properly because I was kind of like and I was like I can't see her I can't see her and then they kept moving it for me but um yeah we got uh we got that time and then they were working away on me and um they everything was fine and um they gave a uh, baby to Brian and they brought him into recovery with the baby and he did some skin to skin straight away and um then I was taken in maybe a half hour later when they finished and we yes yeah, straight away skin to skin again and um the nurses helped to establish breastfeeding so um we got her latched on um 
pretty well it was you know it's obviously like totally new for me totally new for her so it was a little bit of uh trying but she did she did really well um and we were there for maybe another 30 minutes 45 minutes and then we were taken down to the ward and said goodbye to dad um which at the time wasn't that bad because she was just here and it was just amazing so um it was kind of total distraction and it was like oh we'll see you soon anyway um but obviously this was the time when covid was really really rad and the restrictions in the coom um were no no visitors no dads no partners nothing at all so once they were gone for the birthday were gone and i was kind of concerned about that beforehand um but um the staff were brilliant they were really good but it just doesn't i think make up for the fact that those first few days are they're just you're never going to get them back and just to, to not even allow the dad in for an hour just to see their baby I, I, I felt I really felt it and I just felt I didn't feel hard done by I thought he was hard done by and um yeah that was tough so that must have been difficult without his support because obviously if you're feeding you yeah. still want need to be moving around and to you know get her out of the crib and you must have still been quite tender after surgery yeah, do you know what the the medication was definitely <laughs> very good, um, and they managed paying really well. And like I said, I got that pretty nifty bed that kind of lifted up and down. I was the only one in my ward that had that. Everyone else had a mechanical, you know, bed that they no one bothered to move it. They just left it in the position it was. Um, and there was three other women that had cesarean sections on my ward, and I think I was the youngest as well. So I don't know how they managed because I really think the bed was a lifesaver. I could go up and down and back and forward and um, she was beside me the whole time but if if we did need her um lifted like we just rang the bell and she was lifted in straight away um so they were pretty attentive and they were um you know they consider I know they were overwhelmed 100% um they were definitely overwhelmed but they were really attentive to be fair so um I didn't find that that bit too bad I did find it like a bit nerve-wracking going to the toilet or going for a shower and being like um can you watch my baby um just to the girls on the ward because you know they didn't have the time to dedicate a midwife to come in and, and watch your baby while you went to the bathroom or something so that was a bit nerve-wracking but I was lucky with the ward I had the girls were really good and we just um all looked out for each other and yeah it was it was a nice kind of few of us um so yeah, so there was three nights then in hospital, um, night two, and I'd heard about night two. Night two just hit me like a ton of bricks and I just got really upset and she was like feeding nonstop, like nonstop, but she was crying. And then her tummy was kind of rumbling and I just got so distraught and I just didn't know what to do. And then a nurse took her and said, look, she she's feeding well and she's doing her job she's doing what she's supposed to be doing she's bringing your milk in and she's you know this is this is what she's doing but she is hungry so do you want to give her formula and I hadn't even crossed my mind and I'm not against formula at all um and I thought that I just I just thought it was like in my mind at that time and two in the morning I was like it's one or the other it's one or the other and then when she said that I was like yeah of course just give her a little bit and she took like I don't know maybe 15 mils or something and she was just so content and I was like able to get a bit of rest and I just yeah I just took the pressure off a little bit and it was just yeah like a lifesaver so um yeah I, I was kind of grateful for that because I know that you know your, your milk could be a little bit delayed with a section but I don't think mine was um I that was the, so the Thursday I had I had made 
and then the night two was bad and then the, the day three so the Saturday um Brian my husband dropped in some stuff to the hospital and I don't know if that was a bad idea or a good idea but I needed it anyway so I met him downstairs and that was really like she's just upstairs <laughs> and you can't come up and that was just like really hard um and yeah so that was tough and then I I did the same thing with my parents as well. and it was January so no one's hanging around outside for a long time especially me in a dressing gown um and then we got discharged on Sunday and that was I, I've heard women say this about getting out of hospital during the whole COVID thing and it, I felt like I was being released from prison like I really did and it wasn't like it was a horrible place but it was just that I had freedom and you know we were okay and all that kind of stuff and we were going to where we were supposed to be and like just to kind of batten down the hatches and enjoy each other as a family of three instead of just kind of being cut off. So what was it like coming home from the hospital during the pandemic obviously with a new baby as a first as first-time parents and without the support of your family and friends? Um, so we were pretty cautious like with COVID because it was really at its peak um, in January and, and you know I know we've lived through this for many months but it was still it's still a scary thing especially when you have a brand new little tiny human um, who's so vulnerable anyway so we were cautious we were probably more cautious than I expected us to be but just everything is kind of put to the side and that's your priority. So we, my family live quite close to the coombe. So we drove by on the way home and they saw her from the car. Um, and then my mum my actually works in healthcare and obviously the vaccines hadn't kind of started then. So she was really careful as well. And she didn't want to obviously give it to any of us or anything like that. So she was very like kind of at arm's length and, and careful about everything. Um, and then we did the same thing with Brian's family, like just kind of window visits um, for the first while. And um, we, we, yeah, it was just the three of us really here. And it was like, it was lovely at the same time. It, like I felt no pressure to do anything or go anywhere or see anyone. And I honestly think that if I hadn't, if it hadn't have been the way it was, I don't know how I would have persevered with breastfeeding. Um so like we did get off to a good start. We didn't really have any hiccups. Um, Maeve had a very, very mild tongue tie that was kind of identified at the hospital, but it didn't cause any problems. I had like initial, um, I suppose my, for lack of a better term, uh, my nipples toughened up. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so a, a, like kind of a small bit of like cracking at the beginning and yeah, they they were fine and she seemed fine. And um, the at the, the two-week check, she had regained uh, over her birth weight so everything seemed to be going well um and uh yeah I, I think if I hadn't had that time I wouldn't have persevered or just given it the attention because I I don't know as a first time mother if you had visitors an influx of visitors I don't know how comfortable I would have been and and just all that so I'm kind of glad that we had that time to ourselves um and Brian is working from home still but he had two he had the two weeks paternity leave so he had that off um so yeah we just kind of like went for little walks if we could manage it but um I didn't really step outside for the first week so I um yeah I just stayed in and, and he might have taken her out for a short stroll himself but um I the pain was the pain from the surgery was um manageable most of the time 
but when it got bad it, it hit like a ton of bricks and it was like I just had to stop whatever I was doing and just sit like the, getting up and down from the couch or getting yeah from sitting to standing um was really tough and Maeve had to sleep in the co-sleeper beside uh Brian for the first two weeks because I just couldn't he had to just hand her to me I couldn't pick her up from that angle at all um and yeah that that was tough and it just kind of it came in waves I I'd expected a cesarean to kind of be like a constant dull pain but it wasn't really and it was times when you almost felt normal and that was like the worst because you'd almost trick yourself into thinking I'm grand and I can do whatever and you'd do too much and then you'd be literally you'd set yourself back so that was that was the toughest thing um but I'd say after the first 10 days I started to feel miles better and um yeah it just got better and better from then so it didn't I think it maybe three weeks I probably like apart from slight tenderness or um I describe it as like a tickly feeling around the incision like I wouldn't say there was pain lingering after three weeks so I was I think I was kind of lucky in the recovery it seemed to go quite quickly and quite well um so yeah I was I was kind of happy with that and um I have heard though obviously if you have a toddler and a baby and you have a cesarean that's when it gets really tough so I would um if we're lucky enough to have a second I would hope to do a VBAC um <clears throat> if all goes well but um yeah so the recovery was fine and um Brian was here and then when Maeve was five weeks old and things really with COVID weren't massively improving um I just kind of we were getting kind of fed up and I just said look I know like our families are careful like and they're not going to hold her if they're not um if they think they've been at risk and whatever so we said wash hands masks on and you can have a quick hold so we did that when she was five weeks old and that actually gave me I think I needed it more than they needed it it gave me such a lift to see people like kind of holding her and getting the joy out of her that we were getting so yeah that was that was really special and my dad in particular is just like the biggest softy and it's like he's been waiting to be a granddad forever he's just made up so he um I think he was the first one out of our families to hold her and yeah he's just over the moon um do you think you suffered from the baby blues at all how did you feel mentally in those early weeks I don't know if that that night too was tough and it it definitely ran into the third day like 100% like I was just in the bed crying and like yeah I've heard I, I presume this is a baby blues just crying and I couldn't really pinpoint why and I knew it was a mixture of the feeding struggles the night before Brian coming in to see me and just like overwhelming stuff but it was it was really yeah it, I couldn't shake it at all and there, there was a healthcare assistant making the bed up across from me and she's like oh my god are you okay do you want me to get a midwife and I was like no I'm, I'm just I'm just letting it all out <laughs> so yeah it was just uh that was that was kind of probably the extent of it but um it was definitely like in the the days and the weeks that followed like tears of maybe frustration not understanding exactly what she wanted or you know tiredness and um all that kind of stuff so yeah hormones probably just played havoc in the 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 next couple of weeks like after she was born um and yeah I just kept um I actually I, I must send it to you after this I made like a little kind of montage video of like yeah, my love to see that. yeah my, my kind of like my pregnancy as in like you know positive tests a few bump picks and then um 
like scans and stuff and uh then when she was here and I, I made that I think when she was a week old and I just kept watching it and crying <laughs> like and I was like why am I doing this to myself um I sent it to Brian and he teared up and then I watched it with him and he I started crying again and he was like you know you made this yeah did you make it to cry and I was like I'm just but yeah it was uh it's just yeah it's just crazy to think that that little person lives inside you for nine months and they're here and yeah it's amazing like absolutely amazing um and how do you feel with restrictions easing do you feel a little bit more relaxed to introduce her to people and to socialize with her a little bit more yeah I I definitely do I definitely have like um enjoyed kind of introducing her to people and, and seeing more um, especially now the weather's getting better like and kind of I feel like she's a good age like January's a miserable time to have a baby but she's a good age to kind of like be good crack with people now so um like in, in, coming into the summer it's kind of fun but um I I definitely have anxiety about going out sometimes and I think that that's probably a part of COVID so I have like I'm, I'm a little probably a little bit of a control freak and I can't um obviously control a baby and I'm worried that like oh she's going to get really upset and she's going to be distraught and I'm not going to be able to comfort her and people are going to think I'm terrible and you know like these kind of like thoughts go through my head and she she's she's not the best in the car she really kind of doesn't like the car um so we had we have a hard time if it's you know one person driving and no one's able to be in the back with her um that's a bit rough um and actually we had she I did forgot to say this I completely forgot but she had hip dysplasia when we were discharged she was diagnosed with hip dysplasia straight away and they said they said one of her hips was completely dislocatable dislocated um and it's all to do with the breech position as well so um she was put straight away into the harness on I think she was six days old she's put into the pavlic harness and that was on for 12 weeks and it's completely corrected now so she's out of it um, but because of that, we had appointments in the coom every week. So we were in there and in a way that was good because it forced me to get out of the house and actually kind of um, otherwise, yeah, it, I may have become a bit of a hermit, um, especially during the winter when it's a bit of a miserable time to be getting out anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that um, the getting out and about it is getting easier. And as, as she's getting older and as, as, as you get to know your baby and understand, OK, this is what they want and this is what they need. And that cry means this. And I didn't think that would come. And people were like, oh, you know, different cries. And I, was like, I don't know any different cries, but it does. It happens and it just takes a while. But um, yeah, like she's great fun now. And it's uh, like everyone's kind of getting good, good enjoyment out of her. So, yeah, it's good. Although she doesn't sound like she's great fun right now. Actually, I wanted to mention as well. Sorry. I. So I started off breastfeeding and it was going really well up until two months and two months she started getting really fussy and kind of just I'm talking about like one minute feed and then crying screaming and then on off on off pulling I got a lactation consultant and when the lactation consultant visited she was feeding perfectly which is just typical um so I kept in touch with her a bit and um, it did improve slightly we changed positions we tried switching sides more often um but honestly it, like it, it got really stressful I was getting really frustrated over the feeds and when I had her three months developmental check she had dropped percentiles so she dropped from the 25th to the 9th which is still within normal ranges but yeah the charts like, and the yeah. percentiles can be really difficult to see past yeah yeah and I like she was a small baby to begin with and like now when people see her they say oh she's so she's a little petite baby and it's always like no she's not she's fine 
you know, this defensive kind of thing. Look, you can't win. Someone says your baby's big, someone says your baby's small, like you can't win. But um, so we are uh, kind of currently introducing more bottles now because I just, and she's still not a great bottle feeder, but, um, and I was doing express milk, but she actually completely went on strike on my left side. That's gone. Like my left side is gone completely. The, I, I think I might have saw this on your Instagram, but the pump does not work for me at all. It's horrendous. Like I got, like I actually got more hand expressing one night, but then I got massive hand cramps. So, you know, it, it's tough. Like, um, so yeah, we're we're kind of I suppose slowly graduate, grad, gradually uh, getting more bottles in, and yeah, pretty much weaning her from breastfeeding. But I think I'll keep the nights because they they seem to go fine. Um, so with the brace, when Maeve had the brace on, did you have to adapt like feeding positions or anything uh, when she had that on? No, no, not really. She's just kind of like, she's like a little frog. So her legs are out to the side. And I kind of just put my arm in between, like up her back in between her legs and held her close, like like you normally would. So no, like, and because that was so early and it just kind of worked, like it just, it was part of just feeding. So it wasn't really an issue. Um, and when it came off, there was no issues either, but it was it, just the fussiness and the pulling and um, it just didn't stop. And I, I knew I knew it kind of came into it four months but it, it continued since two months. So it just kind of, uh, yeah, I was, I was getting miserable and the pump was making me miserable as well. I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, so yeah, I think that she's happier with the bottle. I'm going to be happier, but um, yeah, it's, it was lovely to do it. And I know, you know, when we have the last feed, I probably don't know it's the last feed, but it will, I'll, I'll be sad about it um, because it is lovely. But um, yeah, it's just it's just what, what's going to work for us, I think, at the moment. So we're going to go with it. But I'm I'm happy that I did it for we we were able to do it for a couple of months anyway. So yeah, that was kind of the breastfeeding side of things. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We were just about to get cut off at the end of the, end of the conversations. That's why it just kind of stops at uh, our breastfeeding journey. So I'm so thankful to Sinead for sharing her story. I was so excited to share it. Uh, really, really enjoying doing these pre and post interviews. I think it's really nice to hear both sides of the journey um, kind of in real time. So if you enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love for you to go on, review, rate and subscribe to wherever you listened to your podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again for your support and I will chat to you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.